a series called Freedom From. This is the last uh, installment on Sunday mornings that I'll be talking about Freedom From. And then we'll be moving that series to midweek uh, coming in January. But this morning, I want to talk to you a while about freedom from the past. So let's look at some scriptures today. In Ephesians 1, 7, first and foremost, the Bible says, uh, Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah... His blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We are a free people. Free of penalties and punishments. Chalked up by our misdeeds. And not just barely free either. We are abundantly free. You know, Jesus said if we'll continue in the word that we will know the truth. And the truth will make us free. I love what John 8.36 says in the Amplified. It says... So if the Son liberates you and makes you free men, then you shall be really and unquestionably free. Abundantly free, free indeed, amen, unquestionably free. So this morning, freedom from the past. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is quite a scripture when you think about it. The Apostle Paul had quite a background. He was the Saul of Tarsus and he had persecuted the church of God was responsible for putting many, many Christians to death. But on the road to Damascus, amen, he had a conversion. And he wrote the epist- most of the epistles, the Pauline epistles they're called. And one of the scriptures that really, really ministers to our hearts is found in verse uh, 17 of Second Corinthians chapter 5. He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And that old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, one thing about the Apostle Paul, he was not going to allow his past to hinder him. Dr. Warren Worsby, a great commentator and a great man of God, said this, You do not move ahead by constantly looking in a rearview mirror. We must learn from the past, but not live in the past. How many have ever heard of a a baseball coach by the name of Sparky Anderson? Well, Sparky coached the Detroit Tigers for a number of years, and he said this, I've got my faults, but living in the past is not one of them. There's no future in it. Have you found out that to be true? So I want us to to center in on Philippians chapter 3 for a moment. Look with me at Philippians 3. Verse 13 and 14. The Apostle Paul in this context is talking about that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He said, it is my determined purpose to get to know him more intimately and become acquainted with him more deeply. And he says in verse 13, he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, he's saying I haven't arrived. But this one thing I do for sure. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Read verse 14 with me. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I like how the New Living Translation says it. He says, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I'm forgetting the past and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. And so before that we can go on with God, we must forget the past. 
and receive true freedom from that. I got three words as I was preparing for this message. I don't know whether we're going to have time to look at all of them. But the first word is releasing. The second word is recovering. And the third word is reaching. So let's talk about this releasing the past. If we're going to be a success in our Christian lives and ministry, we must learn to forget. Amen? If we don't learn to forget, we'll be handicapped in our walk with God. Now, closely associated with learning to forget is learning to forgive. Anybody ever had to forgive anyone? Okay. Well, we must forgive others, but on the other hand, we must also learn to forgive ourselves. In that great law of faith, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, Have faith in God. Verse 23, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And in verse 24 it says, Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. But in the same context of this inevitable law of faith, he said in verse 25, And when you stand praying, forgive. In other words, when you go to the throne of grace to receive what God has so graciously supplied for you through your faith, you must make sure that there is not any unforgiveness in our lives. Amen. Amen. Now, I looked up the word release in Webster's Dictionary from the 1800s. The word release means to set free from restraint of any kind, to liberate from prison, confinement, or servitude. I think it's very interesting that when we hold unforgiveness towards someone else or even toward ourselves, it's like being in prison. It is something that binds us up. But we're receiving freedom from those things in Jesus' name. When we release, then, the the, uh, definition says that we become free from pain, free from care, and free from trouble. You know, it's a great thing to be freed from the cares of this life. And to be free from the care and the weight and the roots of bitterness that try to get into our lives through holding unforgiveness. The Bible says that bitterness can be like a root And once that root takes root, if you will, then it can spring up and bring all kinds of trouble into our lives. But I love this definition, most of all, of release. It means simply to quit, to let go, to let it drop. To quit, to let go, or to let it drop. Look with me in Matthew chapter 18, and let's look at some things that... Jesus taught on along the lines of forgiveness, releasing, releasing. In Matthew 18, verse 21, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, hoff and show my brother sin against thee, and I forgive him. He tells seven times. But Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but seventy times seventy. How many times is that? 490. And that very possibly could mean in the same day. Think about that. In verse 23, he says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him, which owed him ten thousand talents. 
But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him or released him and forgave him the debt. So when a person is forgiven, they are released or they are loosed. When you forgive someone, you release them, you, uh, you loose them. Now notice the rest of this context. It says, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I'll pay you everything. And he would not, but he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, pause, they were very sorry and came and told unto the Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after they had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee that all that debt, because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I have pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Let's take a deep breath. He, he called unforgiveness wickedness. How many have ever heard of wicker furniture? Wicker furniture is twisted. What does unforgiveness do in our souls? It twists us up. It binds us up. It, it, it really detracts from the life of God that is on the inside of us. It makes us miserable. And it makes us difficult to get along with. When a person has an air of unforgiveness, oftentimes it's accompanied by strife. The Bible says that where strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Our good friend Keith Moore says this. He says that strife is the manifest presence of the devil. I don't want the devil in my home. I don't want the devil in my finances. I don't want the devil in my body. I don't want him anywhere. So then it becomes my responsibility to make sure that I am not walking in any attitude of unforgiveness toward anyone. No matter what anyone has said, no matter what anyone has done, my responsibility is to forgive them. And in forgiving them, I not only release them, but I also release myself. And some of you, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody in particular today, but some of you are just too doggone tough on yourself. You need to release yourself. Well, you say, I haven't measured up. I haven't done everything the Lord has told me to do. And I haven't done this and I haven't done that. What good is it going to do to you to reenact that and rehearse that day after day? Why don't you just ask for forgiveness and get on with your life and do what the Lord's told you to do? Amen? Amen. So we've got to take that, that first step. We cannot press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus 
without forgetting those things that are behind. Amen? And so if there is unforgiveness, and I'm not saying that there is, let it go today. Let it go today and be released in the name of Jesus. Now the next R we want to look at is to recover. Recover. To recover means to regain, to get or obtain that which was lost, to recover even stolen goods, to recover sight or senses, even to recover health or strength after sickness and disease. How many of you have ever been in a recovery mode? Okay. It's a good thing for your body to be quickened, is it not? I also like this definition. To recover means to regain to a former state or condition. To repair an injury done by neglect. To recover lost time. To regain a former state. I believe with all of my heart that even though sometimes through life we get weakened through circumstances, even though sometimes we're not as strong as we should be in faith, and maybe particularly have fallen in an area or fallen in another area, not necessarily morally, but just falling, not walking in what we know, not walking in the light that we've been given. I've got a word from heaven for you today. You can, if that fits you, you can be strong again. Say that with me. I can be strong again. Now, I want you to notice a few scriptures here. We're going to take a little bit more time on this one. Look at Psalms 37. Psalms 37. I'm so thankful I've got my voice back. Recovery. Amen. It was a process. But I'm strong again. Okay. Maybe you're not as strong spiritually at the end of this year that you were at the beginning of this year. But you can be strong again. Maybe relationships aren't as strong as they were, but they can be strong again. Everyone say strong again. Psalms 37, notice this in verse 23 and verse 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, because he's our commander-in-chief, and he's calling the shots, if you will, and he delighteth in his way. And here's what I want you to see, verse 24. It says here, Though he fall... He shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down. You may get knocked down, but how many of you know we're never knocked out? Because the Lord will uphold us with his hand. Think about it. When the hand of the Lord is upon you, The hand of the Lord upholds this whole universe. He can uphold your life and make you strong again. Look at Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. This will fuel you up today, guys. Proverbs 24, somebody says, well, I don't really need this right now. Thank you very much. But you might need it tomorrow. So, Bobby, a good idea to listen up. 
Maybe even take a note or two. I don't know. In Proverbs 24. Notice with me in verse 16. For a just man falls, how many times? He falls seven times, but he rises up again. Hallelujah. Another translation says, although a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up again. He gets up again. If you have fallen in an area of your life, I say by the word of the Lord today, get up. You can get up again. So can good men, can good women fall? Can they? Can they fall? But the good news is the Lord picks them up. You can get back up. You can get back up. Our good friend Keither, she says it this way. Don't let a setback cause you to sit back. Be prepared for a comeback. Setback. Don't sit back. Expect a glorious comeback. Think about it. Somebody says, I have a... A, a, a bad diagnosis from the medical society, from the medical world. My doctor says I have this. My doctor says I have that. And they say that I have no cure. Well, they're entitled to say what they say, but you also are entitled to say what you say. And if what you say is in accordance with what God's word has to say, then you and God are a majority. Amen. You see, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Certainly when medical science throws up their hands and says, you know, we've done all we can do, we respect that, we honor that, we love our doctors, we love our professionals, amen? And we pray for research that there will be cures for diabolical diseases, if you will, amen? We're not anti-doctor, but we're more pro-Christ. We're not saying don't go to the doctor, but we are saying that we still have a doctor. His name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee, who still makes house calls. And you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the house of God. He knows your address. And your voice attracts the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He will quicken your mortal body. See, we are not just physical here. We are spirits. We possess souls. We live in physical bodies. We are not limited to what a doctor may be able to do for our physical body. Because divine healing is not received in your body. It is received in your spirit. And when you receive it in your spirit, it manifests in your physical body. But God, who is a spirit made your body. And since he made your body and made all the parts of your body, it would stand to reason, if you will, that he knows how to take care of your body and heal your body and replace it with parts if need be. Amen. But you see, we've got we to gotta get out of the natural realm and into the spirit realm and begin to see things how they really are. There's a whole lot more to you than your physical body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a physical body. 
And your spirit receiving God's word, which is spirit and life. And your spirit receiving the Holy Spirit can be strengthened, quickened, made alive, restored, and strong again. Amen? Amen. I discovered this, that all things are possible to him that believeth. I've just made this solid commitment that I am a believer. Therefore, all things are possible to me. Not some things. That $97,000, are you kidding me? That's chump change. I don't mean to sound arrogant, but come on, guys. 97 grand? Nothing's too big for our God. All things are possible to him that believes. All right. So I guess I just said all that to say this. Just don't limit the Lord. Don't limit him. He's not limited by the things in the natural. Amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments about Peter. How many of you know Peter had his ups and downs? (laughs) You know, one moment he's saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The next moment, he's rebuking Jesus for saying he's going to the cross. And Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. One moment is calling him Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood is not revealed unto thee and all these things. And the next moment, Jesus is saying, you don't savor the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So Peter had his ups and, and Peter had his downs. And, you know, he was given some inside information by the master that he was going to deny him three times. And Peter, because of his pride, wouldn't listen to the Lord. He says, no way, Jose. Not really, Jose. In other words, I got this. I can handle this. How many of you know that pride goes before a fall? Well, Peter had a down day. Three times he denied who? He denied Jesus. But, Jesus prayed for Peter. And I want you to know that part of his ministry today at the right hand of the Father is to pray for you. In other words, he sees us in our particular situations and he's praying for us. He's the great intercessor. But I want you to notice what Jesus prayed for Peter. Look with me at Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Say it again, strong again. Luke 22, verse 30. The Lord said, Simon, Simon. Anytime you get a double Simon or a double Martha, Martha, you better listen up. Behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may what? That he may sift you as wheat. So in other words... Jesus saw something coming, but when he saw something coming, he didn't wring his hands. He says, but I have prayed for you. And what did he pray? Do you suppose that Jesus' prayers get answered? But I have prayed for you. 
that your faith fail not. Everyone say, thy faith fail not. I want you to pay particular attention to that phrase. We'll go back to it in a few moments. And he says, and when, not if, and when you are converted or when you are changed, I want you then to go and strengthen your brethren. So yes, Peter denied Christ, but later on, Peter was strengthened by a revelation he got concerning how much the master loved him and valued him. I want you to look at Mark 16. Let's see this. This is some good news for Peter. They come to the sepulcher. Jesus is already gone and there's a bright angel there, right? And so this angel is carrying a message for the disciples and Peter. And the angel says to the women, go your way. Tell his disciples (laughs) and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. Jesus distinguished Peter along with the disciples because he had forgiveness, he had restoration, he had renewed hope, and he had renewed strength for the one who denied him. Don't you know that strength came into Peter? He got a great revelation of how deep and how great God's love was for him. He was convinced of this love. And in Acts chapter 1, he was the first one to stand up. He tapped into this on the day of Pentecost. I want you to read something to you from Ephesians 3. I just simply want you to listen very carefully. Because this deals with Getting an understanding of how much God loves us. It also deals with us receiving strength from that revelation. But it also deals with us on the ability to see and to comprehend these things that Christ and God has for us. This is what Peter got a hold of. We don't have this translation upstairs, but basically... Paul is praying, he said, for this cause, I go down on my knees before the Father, from the whole, whole, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that in the wealth of his glory, he would make you strong with power through his spirit in your hearts. That through the wealth of his glory... Oh, hallelujah. That's one word for glory, did you know? One word for glory is wealth. And he's praying that through the wealth of his glory, you would become strong and strengthened, hallelujah, by the Holy Spirit in your hearts. Now listen, 
so that Christ may have his place in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and based in love may have strength to see. May have strength to see. In order for a person to be strong again when they have been weakened, they must see some things. They must, with their faith, reach out and believe and see and comprehend that great power that is toward them when they believe. Amen. May have strength to see with all the saints how wide and how long and how deep it is. And to have knowledge of the love of Christ, which is outside all knowledge, so that you may be made complete as God himself is complete. Think about it. Now to him who is able to do in full measure more than all our desires or thoughts through the power of Of Christ working in us. I submit to you this morning. That Peter was down. But Peter got up again. And what caused Peter to get up again. Is he got a revelation. He saw how much God loved him. And when he saw it. He received by faith. The strength of the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost. He rose up. And he spoke so beautifully and so wonderfully the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer for my life and for your life is may His power help us to see what we need to see. May we see, may we know, may we comprehend this great love that He has for us. When a person is broken... And all they can see is their failure. They need to see something else. They need to see something else. They need to see that there's a way up and there's a way out. The good news, he is the way. He's the way up. He's the way out. I'm telling you, God can restore and put a person back into strength. But it's not all up to God. We must believe to see it. Amen? See, Jesus believed in Peter. Peter saw, Jesus saw his potential. But you've got to see some things for yourself. In other words, we must put ourselves in a position to have our minds so renewed that we begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us. God doesn't see us as old sinners saved by grace. He sees us as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God does not look at us after the flesh. God looks us at us after the blood of the Lamb. God does not look at our imperfections and our failures and go, Wow, man, what in the world is wrong with them? No, God sees us complete in Christ Jesus. God sees us strong again. God sees us on our feet. God sees us about our Father's business. Amen? Amen. And so it does us good to see ourselves the same way.
You know, he loves you as much as he loves Peter. There is not anyone who believes in you more than Jesus Christ. So number one, release. Number two, recover. And number three, reach. Everyone say reach. We're reaching into 2014 with everything we got. Is that right? The word reach simply means to extend. It means to stretch. It means to attain. It means to arrive at by effort, by labor, by study. Hence, to gain or obtain or to penetrate to. Paul said, I forget the things that are behind. But now, once that's over with, I'm reaching I'm moving forward. I'm off and running, Paul said. I'm pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, when Spain led the world in the 15th century, their coins reflected their national arrogance and were inscribed with these words, Ne plus ultra, which means nothing further. Meaning that Spain had thought that they were the ultimate powerhouse country in the world. But after the discovery of the new world, they realized that they were not the end of the world. So they changed the inscription on their coinage to say, plus ultra, meaning more beyond. In the same pattern, some Christians say, nothing further. That's all there is. But the rare kind, the kind like you, the kind like me, we keep moving. We keep going from glory to glory, strength to strength, faith to faith, because we know that there is more. There are greater things in store for us in 2014 than we have seen heretofore. Hallelujah. Some people are calling 2014 the year of the greater. I'll tell you what, it can be and it will be the year of the greater, because we serve a great God. I want to encourage you to to do a study just on the word great and see for yourself just how great is. Amen. In simple childlike faith, we move beyond. We move forward. Amen. Reach beyond the circumstances of life. Reach beyond the disappointments, the pain, the adversity. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14, and we'll close. Let's look at that again. Pull it up, guys, if you would. I'm releasing, I'm recovering, and I'm reaching. He said, not as though I'd already attained, we're already perfect, but follow after if I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of in Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind, reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, you know.